Hello, I'm Professor John Gribben from Barts Cancer Institute in London. I was the president of EHA from 2019 to 2021, and I, there I chair the European uh, Affairs Committee. In this podcast today, we're going to be discussing CROs, or contract research organisations. We're going to be talking about the roles they perform and how they can help you with the paper trails associated with clinical trials. Now, the development for this podcast has been funded by EHA. To listen to other related materials, please visit the EHA campus at www.ehaweb.org. So what exactly is a CRO? So I've already said it's a contract research organization. These are organizations which are um, where they have devolved responsibility from the sponsor of the trial to assist you with the setup running and processing of clinical trials. And also a very important component of their role is to document and audit the quality needed for the level of the scrutiny of the trial. Now, of course, documentation for all clinical trials is extremely important, but for those trials in which potentially there's going to be registration of of a drug which is under investigation in your patient population, these types of trials are very highly scrutinized and the level of documentation required is vital to ensure that we lead to the approvals of these medications we're looking for. Already mentioned, the sponsor delegates specific responsibilities to the CROs. And what you'll find as you're dealing with different companies and different sponsors, what degree of delegation responsibility they give to the CRO may vary from very specific tasks to really the overall running of just about everything that you're doing. There will always be access for you to be able to directly uh, interact with the sponsor themselves and particularly with the medical directors associated with the runnings of these trials. Uh, And that's something you should look to uh, be able to maintain when you can. So let's talk about when CROs first get involved with the trial. Well, the very first involvement you may have with a CRO is you just receiving an email informing you that a trial is in preparation and asking for your views of whether you think this trial is of potential value to you and your center. Um, And then asking you to fill out a whole variety of different questions relating to what are the sorts of resources that you have to be able to run the trial at your centre and whether, in fact, you have access to all of the sorts of things that are required. For instance, if there's PET scans required, do you have access to PET scanning, etc.? You'll then fill in these forms and it will be sent back and then they will do an evaluation on how many sites the trial might need and then discuss whether you might be um, somebody who is able to be able to do this. And then usually they will then perform an initial site visit and evaluation. They will then come and discuss with you what the trial involves, how that trial schedule fits in around the working days of your staff. For instance, simple things like if there are infusion times and then there's a need for PK uh, sampling for hours after that, is it possible that you are able to do this within the opening hours of your clinic? We'll also discuss planning the budgets, which are highly important in terms of of, of running a clinical trial. These budgets are preset. And it's quite unusual to be able to go back and change the budget later. So you need to have 
properly prepared your budget and you need to discuss with the CROs exactly what within your budget is specific for the clinical trial and what are those issues which would be considered the standard of care for the patients. There'll be a need for you to involve the pharmacy staff within your hospital or clinic because you'll need to be reviewing drug preparation uh, and, and administration. They'll want to talk to the trial staff, both the investigators and those you have helping your clinical trial administration staff. They'll be ensuring that procedures exist for getting the samples to the central lab, that they're processed the way they need to be done. Do the samples need to be spun? Do they need to be frozen? Do you have the resources to be able to do this to get the samples in in the way that they do? They'll also help you to identify the timelines. Often it can take a very long time for a trial to open and for a trial to have all the approvals in place for that trial to open. Often the trial can be accruing internationally at a very fast speed and it's very possible the whole trial would be finished before you're able to get your trial open. And that's something, again, the CRO should be able to help you with. They also want to know and highlight any potential barriers to enrollment. Now, it's very good at this point to consider that you have to be very realistic. They'll want to know how many patients you believe you'll be able to enroll with the entry criteria. And it's very important you do not overestimate what you're able to deliver. They'd much rather have a small number of patients from your site and get that small number or perhaps even exceed than you to tell them you're going to get 50 patients and then only able to get 10 in the study, which can lead to major problems with, uh, with it potentially having to open other sites at a later point. So how, what do we look for in terms of looking for a good CRO? You want to have somebody who's going to work with you constructively to plan ahead for problems and deviations. You'll want to have access for 24-hour, um, seven-day-a-week contact numbers because you never know in advance exactly when you're going to run into issues and problems, and you need to know how you can access this. You also need to be able to sure that, be ensure that you've got a good working relationship with these people. We do not want people coming in telling us the minutiae of, of you know, what is not uh, working well. You want help constructively to make sure that you're doing all of this. So what happens once the trial has actually started? You'll have a, 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 a site visit with the CRO again, because uh, your initial site visit may have been a long time uh, in terms of how long it's been since the trial was in preparation to when it's open. You'll have another site visit now. Many CROs will send uh, someone in while you're treating the first patient or immediately following. We find that particularly important because um, if you make a mistake on the first patient, you're likely to make that same mistake over and over again, because clearly you did not make the mistake deliberately. You just didn't realize there was something in the protocol you were missing. If someone's able to be there with you to identify that you've made you know, a, a, um, an error in terms of what needed to be done at that particular time, and you can pick that up very quickly, you can take corrective action. Now, clearly, the amount of supervision that the CRO uh, gives will often be very different depending on the phase of the trial. It's particularly important for phase one clinical trials or early phase clinical trials that we have very fast reporting of adverse events. The same, of course, can also be true when we have multiple sites internationally. If you're seeing a couple of adverse events, 
um, and you don't report them for a few days and a number of other sites do the same thing, it's very possible that that trial could have hit its stopping point and no one knows that and other sites continue to enroll patients. So this is particularly, as I said, important in early phase trials. We need very speedy a return of these sorts of safety signals to other investigators to be able to enroll the next patients in that cohort. Now, again, everybody knows that there's a whole paper trail associated with clinical trials. And the rule is everything needs to be recorded. And if it's the rule of thumb you can consider is that if it's been done but not recorded, it can consider not to have been done. So the recording and the very careful documentation of what you've done and how it was done and who did it is very important. Now, there are some key challenges here. Increasingly, we're moving to a clinical scenario, which is paperless, but many still don't have that capability. In our own center, for instance, where we are paperless and people come in to audit what we're doing, you need to be able to find a way to be able to demonstrate the, um, the, the information to the CRO without potentially them having access into the confidential patient records. Obviously, there is an important issue of importance of bureaucracy in clinical trials. Nothing is more important than patient safety. But what is also clearly the case is that we are all looking for ways in which we can decrease unnecessary bureaucracy in clinical trials without impacting on patient safety. The principal investigator needs to sign off everything. Um, it's not just a case that it's done. You need to sign off that it's been seen and, be, and been done. You need to confirm the data that's been collected and inspected and reported when it should be done. And you need to also report off adverse events that are reported not just for your own clinical trial at your own site, but also those adverse events that are reported to you from other sites. And again, it can be very important that CROs can help you to filter out the important data from all of the huge amount of emails and, and junk information that often follows the clinical trials and flags to the principal investigator and the sub-investigators those important components which are vital for the safe ongoing of this clinical trial. The whole audit trail is an important process. I've already mentioned, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. And it's very easy to get behind. And then once you get behind, it's very difficult to get back on board again. A good CRO, again, will be able to help identify and capture missing data. I've already told you, I found it a very good practice that they very quickly audit the first patient you enroll in the trial at your site. That ensures that the process is covered everything as they should minimizing problems later down the line. It's also, there's a whole amount of documentation that has to go on to correct missing data and document why things were missing. And it's much easier to just capture it properly in the first place. The data from clinical trials is very important in terms of how it's stored and how it's collected, how it's audited and how it's signed off. All that information needs to be collected and stored. It needs to be um, uh, collected and stored and kept in a, in a very um, uh, robust manner. And the, the information needs to be available if it's going to be audited at a later time by any of the regulatory agencies. 
it's necessary that the clinical trial material is kept for at least five years after the trial ends. There are specific trials where that are mandated by the FDA or EMA that they may want the information to be kept longer than that, and the CRO will be able to tell you that information. For trials involving children, we have much longer storage time and lifelong storage is required. And for trials involving a genetically manipulated material, the trial material should be stored for, for 30 years. So again, the regulations relating to how long that clinical trial material should be stored will depend on the clinical trial. It may well depend on the environment and where, you know, which country you're working in and what your local regulations are in, in, in any event. But you should certainly be discussing with the CRO the needs for the storage. And you'll also, of course, have to find the appropriate storage place where this material can be stored, but where it can also be kept accessible should one of the regulators audit your site and enable it to, to, this to happen. The CRO is also involved at the time the trial comes to an end. There's a process called archiving, whereby all the clinical trial material related to, uh, all the clinical trial uh, documentation relating to that trial has to be kept together and then archived. You need an archiving plan. You need to determine where the uh, information is going to be stored. You Largely, we are looking often at storing this off-site. You need to know how accessible this material can be, and it needs to be archived in a way in which it can be accessible should any of the regulators, the sponsors, or the CRO require to see that data at a later time point. The CRO will tell you, inform you when the trial can be closed so you can allocate your staff to finalizing the documentation, having all of that signed off and closed, and then you can start the archiving uh, process. So in terms of summarizing the role of uh, clinical trials um, and the need to get a clear paper trail, you recognize immediately when you get a good CRO. They aid the smooth running of the process from start to finish. They will work with you to identify any potential problems and particularly solutions to those problems. We don't want people just to be telling us the problems. We want to be able to get solutions. They should be able to aid logistical planning at the start of the trial. They should be able to inform you what has worked well at other sites and in other trials that they've worked in in the past. As I said already, they should be able to help identify problems that you have and work with you for, to overcome them. Now, for many of you who are a bit less experienced in clinical trials, it can seem very daunting when you see how much paperwork is involved and the amount of detail that these CROs often go into in terms of looking to ensure that paper trail is clear. Once the process is clearer to you, you will find it easier to do. I've already mentioned the fact that if you get behind, it can be very easy to get your whole uh, uh, trial uh, paperwork in a bit of a mess. You'll need lots of, of different deviation and correction plans. Uh, you'll, need, you'll, you'll generate more work for yourself to have to do this. So you need to have all of your paper trail ready. You need to be available for auditing when the CRO comes in. The auditing process has to be clearly identified. It has to work that when the CRO is coming, you have the staff available to able to work with them to perform the audit well. That will again decrease the amount of paperwork you have to do. 
If the CRO arrives at a time that they're looking to do an audit of a particular patient or group of patients and the paperwork is not available for them, they will consider that that documentation is missing. That will generate a whole bunch of queries that will require answers, that will require um, uh, 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 plans to, to, to rectify. But in fact, that information may be there and it was all available in the first place. If you're not ready um, for um, and, and, and don't have the, the trial staff available right now to have everything ready, it's better to work with the CRO to prevent that visit and have everything worked on and ready for the CRO coming. You need to have everything accessible in a way that does not compromise confidentiality. I've already mentioned the issue about accessing uh, electronic clinical records, which can be difficult. Uh, at some sites, there are ways in which the CROs are able to identify specific information on an electronic clinical record without compromising confidentiality, but in many sites, that's not possible. And you'll need to have one of your own staff working with the auditor to be able to provide the information either in a paper form or in a way in which they are able to access the electronic information for that person and show it to them. So in overall, uh, what you're seeing here is that this uh, performing clinical trials is a very complicated process. There is a need for very clear documentation. If you're not experienced in performing clinical trials, this can all seem very daunting. And if you're not doing the trial well, you'll find very quickly that the CROs can become really not your best friend after all. But if you're working well with a CRO, we should be able to decrease the unnecessary bureaucracy. You should be able to decrease the unnecessary paperwork in doing this. And a good CRO can really help you perform what you want to do, which is to provide the clinical trial information provided from your patients to the very highest quality and lead to the more rapid approval of the agents to make that, that agent available for your other patients. I hope you found this podcast useful. I hope you found some uh, information here of benefit. I'd like to thank you all very much for listening to me today. Thank you very much.